Hey, thanks so much for joining us on the Rise Church podcast. We're a church in Southeast Idaho on mission to help people take steps in relationship with Jesus. For more information, check us out at risechurchid.org. All right, enjoy the message. Why don't you remain standing for the reading of God's word? If someone could get the lights for me. Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35, it says, Then Peter came up and said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold and with his wife and with his children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell to his need, fell to his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him that debt. And when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. And seizing him up, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and he put him in prison until the day that he could pay his debts. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were very greatly distressed and they went and reported this to their masters. Then his master summoned him and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had that mercy on your fellow servant as I had that mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Go ahead and be seated. Thank you, worship team. As we continue our our message series this morning on Irene, we're talking about peace and unity in between the body of Christ, recognizing that it's not easy. It's not easy to be brothers and sisters in Christ. It's not easy to dwell in unity. It's not easy to seek peace between all people because all people are made differently. We all function differently. We all see differently. And that's the course of this series that we are going through. This is the fifth message in our series. And this morning, I just want to prepare a little bit. I'm going to get my gloves out. Get ready. Glove number two. You know, I've always at least from my, a young age, I didn't exactly know what I wanted to be, but I was driven with the possibility of becoming a surgeon. I, I just, I had this obsession. I don't know what it was. Let's see. Get this in there. 
Here it is, your scalpel for you. All ready to cut. We're all ready to go, folks. I remember uh, my parents asking me, Ben, what do you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I, I didn't exactly know. But I remember I had some of these motivations. I remember my mom, well, my dad put my mom through uh, pharmacy school at the University of Washington so she could become a pharmacist. And so she had this medical background. And I was, I was motivated by that probably before I can even remember I was motivated by some of the things that she would be talking about as she was studying medicine, medicine and, and pharmacology. I remember my dad and the motivations that he would have on, on my life as he came to the United States, United States as an immigrant. And um, he, he did it all the right way. And he worked so hard to have a stable job and provide us, our, uh, my brothers and, and sister, with a life that he didn't have to provide us with this uh, a stable life. And so that had motivation on me too. And so all of these kind of put together. And I remember like growing up with my mom and we would watch shows like ER and I was obsessed. I was obsessed with the trauma surgery. And even to this day, I think of Chicago Med as one of our shows that we watch and just, uh, just how much I love the idea of, of surgery, of going in inside someone's body and, and getting in there and opening it up and, and fixing what was, what was wrong. I know some of you guys are freaking out right now. Like Benjamin, put down the knife. We've seen you slip on stage before, so I will do exactly that. We'll put that away so I, I don't get too, too distracted. I'm also going to take, take the gloves off, but I'm going to leave them there as, as just uh, something to help us get into the message this morning. I just have this fascination with getting inside, getting into the deep of it and fixing stuff from, from the inside. It's surgery. Surgery. And I, I realized that at one point I, I was going this way in, in my career. I was working through um, uh, doing my schooling for a pre-med transfer or going into the nursing program. And that's when the Lord kind of shifted my direction and called me towards ministry instead. And a part of me just this past week was just thinking, I'm like, man, I kind of wish that I was a surgeon some days. The Lord's like, Ben, you still get to do surgery. As a pastor, you still get to help facilitate some healing from the inside. And this morning, I felt like that's what the Lord wanted, wanted to do, was to get down to a practical, a practical surgery for us. And the title of the message is Surgery for a Forgiving Heart. This can be another one of those messages where you just show up on a Sunday and you sit and listen, and it can go through one ear and out the other. But one of the things that takes place in, in the surgical suite is they put that medicine on and you're knocked out and hopefully the doctors and the surgeons and everybody there is just focused on this one thing. And that's what I want to call us to this morning is let's step into the OR, let's step into that operating room and focus on one thing, a forgiving heart. I'm going to ask us some questions this morning just to help us get thinking. And as I'm processing through this, just think through your life. Who are those people that maybe you still need to forgive? Who are those people who have forgiven you? Let me continue on with some of these questions. 
What were some of the hardest times that I've had forgiving someone? I think back to just some of these experiences that I've had where it's just been so hard to forgive somebody. You guys, can you, can you think of those? Keep them in your mind. What were those easiest times for forgiving someone? These are probably a little bit harder to remember because those are the ones that just, you know, they just happen. I'm sorry. Yeah, no big deal. It's all good. So they're harder to, to recall, harder to remember. You don't have as many feelings attached to them oftentimes. What were some of the most horrific things that I have been forgiven for? <sighs> Y'all, this, this one hits me deep because I look back at who I was before Christ and I did some pretty horrific things. I was a pretty horrific person. I hurt a lot of people. And so I think through, what have I been forgiven for? <sighs> Maybe you've got some that hit deep for you too. And then that, that, deep, that deep one of, where have I not forgiven people? Do I have people in my life that I have not forgiven? Lord, would you bring them to mind now if there is anybody? And be at work in our, our hearts as we get into the context of Matthew, uh, as we're looking at Jesus teaching his disciples, uh, right at the beginning of this chapter, we see Jesus basically discussing the importance of humility to enter into the kingdom of God. They're like, who's the greatest? What, what's it take to be this greatness in the kingdom of God? And he looks to one of the kids. It's like, if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, you've got to be like this, this little kid. Humble. You need to be so dependent upon God that you're just like this little kid. God, I need you. That inspires me, just that vision of one of our little kids or a little kid running around here and their dependency on adults to give them food for everything. And every time I just think about like the nagging that they do, mom, food, we've got one. One of our kids right now will just keep saying the same thing over and over and over. And for some reason, they don't lose their voice. It does not make sense to me. Again, I'm wondering if that's one of those spiritual gifts. You're just like, Lord, is this girl going to be a preacher? But continue food, mama, food, mama, food, mama, food, mama, dada, food, 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 all day long. It just keeps keeps going, right? But there's a dependency because she can't get up and make it herself. And sometimes we think of our lives like we can make our lives ourselves. But what Jesus is saying is that there's an importance in stepping into the kingdom of God and life in totality. Just like Jesus did, he only did what he saw the Father doing. He was so dependent upon God. This is what we need to be like, humility like a child then Jesus goes into discussing the seriousness of our personal sin, especially when that personal sin begins to affect the other people around us. A cause for evaluation in, in our lives. He continues talking and begins to talk about just the Father's heart. You know, God's heart for each one of us is that we would know him at a deeper level. It says that he wants this so bad that he would leave the 99 to go after the one. A truly reckless moment, especially from the Old Testament perspective, you're going to leave 99 sheep unattended for one because you're worth it. You're worth it. It's the truth. And as all of this is, is taking place, we get to this place of 
talking about the forgiveness of the forgiveness of, of sins. And it's, it's interesting because you watch Peter so often. I don't know if you guys do this, but I watch Peter. And it's almost like you're reading through it and you're just waiting. His mouth is bubbling up. And it's like y- y- stuff is coming out of his mouth before it's even supposed to. And he's trying to catch it. It's like bleh. another visual for you. Yeah. <laughs> this is what Peter does all, all the time. And so right before Peter asks the question of how often shall I allow my brother to sin against me and I, I forgive him, he, Jesus is talking about how to handle sin with our, our brothers and sisters in Christ, just the importance of going to another and seeking reconciliation. When there's issues between me and another person, I'm seeking to right that, right that wrong. Jesus is telling him that, and in the midst of that, it's almost like Peter's got something on his mind. It's almost like he's thinking about someone right then and there. He's like, seriously, this person has probably done this to me so many different times. He's offended me just so many times. And in their culture, a lot of these teachers would have, have taught that you can forgive someone three times, but after three, your three strikes are out. And so Peter thinks he's getting smart with Jesus. <laughs> Peter's like, I'm going to get him. I'm going to double this. I'm going to go above double this. So Jesus, am I supposed to, am I supposed to, f- to forgive this guy like seven times? thinking that he's just blowing the whole argument out of the water. And when Peter asks this, Jesus says, 77. You think about like keeping account of 77 times of forgiving someone. The point is that you can't. You don't. We, we won't count that high. That's, that's the point. Jesus said 77 because forgiveness isn't about a number. It's about the character of our hearts. It's about going to that point that whatever it takes, maybe you are one of those who actually would count the 77. The point is that Jesus is telling us to get past the counting. What's more important of you checking off this checklist of how many times you've forgiven is evaluating your heart. And I want to just observe some keys this morning. I've got kind of three different sections of this message that I want to get to. We'll see how much the Lord allows me to this morning. But the first is just observing, observing this text. I think the first thing that we see is that forgiveness is progressive. When I say that, forgiveness is done in an event. We're right here, right now. Someone offends me, and I'm making the choice to walk into forgiveness. But the mistake that many of us often make is that when I step into this experience right here and right now, that doesn't mean it's one and done. That doesn't mean that I don't have work to do anymore. It means that it's an ongoing process. Sometimes when that ongoing process, the next day when I wake up and I say, Lord, search my heart. Lord, if there's anything that's not of you, illuminate it so I can repent of it, so I can get it out of my life. When we do that on a normal basis, perhaps that next day, God's going to be like, your heart's good. But perhaps maybe the thing that you forgave yesterday, or maybe the thing that you forgave last month, or maybe the thing you forgave a year ago or 10 years ago is still something that you're harboring in your heart. 
Forgiveness isn't always that one, one and done. By, by Jesus saying this 77 times, he's instructing us, let's keep going. We need to continue to evaluate the state of our heart because your forgiveness isn't about the other person. The forgiveness is about your heart and the condition of your heart. And the condition of your heart is where you live from, y'all. This is how we interact with the world around us. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, forgiveness is not an occasional act, but a permanent attitude. This is important to understand because we often say, I've forgiven that person. And we use that as an excuse to say that that's enough because of a past tense event. I'm here to tell you this morning that it's not enough. When we've been wronged, when we've been sinned against, and that, that will happen by people, if you choose to continue in the body of Christ, that will happen to you by your brothers and sisters in Christ. We are still being conformed into the image of Christ. None of us are there. So we still have some issues that we are, are working through. I just want you to know that it is a, it is a possibility that without your acknowledgement, you have picked that offense back up and you've been carrying it with you Where, wherever you go. And sometimes that can bleed out into the rest of our life. Forgiveness is progressive. We also know that forgiveness is costly. I should hear some amens, but maybe we don't fully get it yet because forgiveness costs me something. Can I, I tell you just how much, like, I didn't want to do this message today. And it wasn't even purposeful, guys. Like, so at the beginning of the year, which wasn't that long ago, but for whatever reason, my brain didn't remember it. At the beginning of this year, I sat down and said, all right, Lord, show me what you want me to do for the year. And so I sit there fasting and praying, and the Lord gives me direction. I write it all out, and boom. Get it into our little app on Planning Center, and I wrote down for today was forgiveness. Lori can testify to it, and anybody else on Planning Center can testify to it. It says forgiveness on there. Going into this week, I was like, Jesus, what do you want me to speak about? which I do on a normal basis because I, I believe that the Lord could lead me in a different direction, right? So I, I'm, I'm like, all right, God, what do you want me to... And I, I think subconsciously, I like erased forgiveness. I'm like, ah, I don't want to deal with that. I don't need to deal with that forgiveness right here and right now in my life. I, I, I just don't. And so I, I wrote half a message on candor. <laughs> and I get through half a message and I'm so frustrated. I'm like, God, Seriously, like you're going to have to do something. Sunday is coming. I'm freaking out. Right? In case you didn't realize it, in case you didn't set up your Google, your, your, your Google calendar correctly, Sunday is coming. And I'm freaking out a little bit. And so I'm like, okay, all right. Lay your anxieties before the Lord. Okay, be at peace. Breathing. Okay, we're good. We're good. All right, God, what do you want me to do? And so I wrote a half a message on gossip. I get about halfway through and I can't get any further. God, what is going on? I need to say, okay, I'm sitting there. We're, I think we're like Friday afternoon at this point. My heart is like pumping. I'm like, 
okay, we got Sunday coming. God, you're going to have to show. God, I need to hear from you. I need, I need you to show me. Uh, we've got two half messages here, and I can't get up and give two half messages, so please, please, please show me. And, and I, I get this reminder, forgiveness, forgiveness. And I think deep down, I just didn't even realize it, and I was kind of pushing it away because I still have some forgiveness that I've, I've forgiven in the past. But at some point in the past, I've also picked back up that offense. And I haven't, or I hadn't, taken care of that. I hadn't taken any more action on it. And so I think that was the reason why God was just reminding me, like, forgiveness. This is, this is, it, and it costs you something because you've got to put your pride down. That's pro- possibly the biggest thing that it costs us. And Jesus illustrates this by the amount that this guy had to, had to f- give up to forgive this, this servant, right? It was 10,000 talents, which literally, if we get into an understanding of that in that day, that's 18 years worth of wages. That's a lot of money, y'all. That is a big cost. But I think he just uses that to, to illustrate it can cost us a whole lot in order to forgive. This is a radical expression of, of forgiveness. It's going to cost us some things. And I think that just... I think that just kind of sets the tone a little bit. It sets an expectation for us. Because when we truly walk into forgiveness, you feel it. You feel it. But I also want you to know this, that unforgiveness is even more costly. It'll cost us our forgiveness from, from the Father, is ultimately what the Scripture says. And so the declaration of scripture is that forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. If we don't have a forgiving heart, it's an indication that we may not have a forgiven heart. And that's a little scary. Our forgiveness for others flows out of how much that we have been forgiven. Think down to all of those areas that you've, you've been out of line with the Lord. You've been out of line in, in your life. The decisions that you've made, the way that you've hurt other people. And you think about the ways that God has forgiven you. Man, let that sit for a little bit. We're going to come back to that. But I want to just continue to illustrate, what, is, what does this forgiveness look like? Like if we were to get down into something super practical where we can like put this into our lives, this is my favorite place that I found this. It is in um, the writings called a, uh, The Body of Divinity, written by Thomas Watson. And it just takes some scriptures and puts them into practicality, which we're going to walk through here this morning. But let me read this to you. When we strive against all thoughts of revenge, or the question prompted this, let me, let me start there. When do we forgive others? How do we know that our life looks like we are forgiving others? That's a, a better introduction to this. And the answer to that question is, when we strive against all thoughts of revenge, when we will not do our enemies any mischief, but we wish them well, We actually grieve at their calamities. 
We pray for them. We seek reconciliation for them. And we show ourselves ready on all occasions to relieve them. This is a deep definition. A deep definition. And I think this can really help us to walk through forgiveness and and to just evaluate our own lives. Do we happen to have any areas in our lives where we have this unforgiveness? Because I think we're all agreed at this point, we do not want unforgiveness in our lives. We want to be forgiven, right? This is what we, we, we want. We want the forgiveness of God because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and all of our, our sins, the, the wages of those, those sins is, is death, right? The eternal separation from God. So we don't want that. We want to be in relationship with Jesus. We want to be in a right relationship. This is what he's created us for, but we have to have a forgiving heart. So let's take some few, a few minutes to just evaluate what are these areas? The first was resist thoughts of revenge. Romans twelve nineteen says, never take your own revenge. How applicable is this to your life? Y'all, when someone cuts me off, I'm like, revenge. I, I will cut them off even better. Right? This is the revenge we feel on a guttural level. Ooh, it just oozes out of us sometimes. But you take that even, even for me, I think of revenge in terms of like justice sometimes. I think like these, these people are wronging society. These people are wronging me. These people are wronging this group of people. This is not right. I will get revenge. I will make this right. You guys ever feel that? Maybe somewhere in, in that realm, in that sphere of, of, of thinking. But listen to this. And I, I'm, I, I, I camp on this for a moment just because this scripture has helped me. When I'm in those moments of revenge, seek revenge, make this right, you, you will get yours, Benjamin. You will get yours, Benjamin Joseph. Here's your pat. Get up and go get it. I think back, what does the word of God say? Here's what it says, Romans 12, 19. Never take your own revenge. But I have that thing in me that says revenge has to be gotten. Right? It has to be done which is why the rest of the scripture is there. Beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. I love that. So it's not the wrath of Benjamin shall fall on your head. I used to bring that. I used to bring that tough. But leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So when we step into this place of plotting our revenge, of planning for our revenge, of getting our revenge, we're actually putting ourselves in a position where God puts himself. We then are saying, well, I'm the God of my life. It's a harsh realization, but it's helpful and it's motivating. Vengeance is mine. It belongs to the Lord. And so think through those relationships in your life where perhaps the Lord is calling to mind this morning that you need, 
yeah, that maybe you've been plotting some revenge. I'm going to get this person back. Remember when they said X, Y, and Z to me? You guys have done this. Don't even, you guys are looking at me like you don't, you've never done this, right? They've said that thing and you've had it in your mind. This is what I should have said. This is how I should have responded. Next time I see them, this is gonna come out of me. That is plotting revenge. Just so you know, FYI. That, that is revenge. Where are those areas? If, if you are recognizing that, yeah, I've been plotting some revenge. I, I definitely have played that out in my mind a few times. I remember I've, I've taken that so far. Like I've taken that into like the vision of like Molotov cocktails and <laughs> like literally like in my, I've, I've planned this out to the T and like plotted out like where the cameras were and like all, all of the stuff, guys, like all of it, okay? And y'all are laughing because you have two. Okay, so, all right, just so I'm getting a little self-conscious up here, like, I'm like, oh, am I the only one? No, I'm not the only one. Okay, we, we all have something like this. So let's evaluate. Do we have revenge in our mind? Do we have revenge in our heart? Because if we do, that may point out that we need to do some forgiving. So perhaps put a little check mark next to that one in your notes, if that's something you may need to do. Similarly, we don't seek to do them mischief. I like that word, <laughs> mischief. It reminds me, we've been watching uh, Matilda. <laughs> and they, <laughs> our children, yes, yes. And, and they keep laughing. They're, what are they saying? Naughty children, naughty children, ha, ha naughty children, right? They're doing mischief. They're doing all of this mischievous things, ha, 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 ha. First Thessalonians 5.15 says, see that you, see that no one repays another with evil for evil. But this is what our culture says. This is the example that we have. Some of my favorite, like, entertaining movies, which I won't say which ones they are, are about revenge, about getting back, about blowing up the whole governmental system and blowing up everything else and getting, making everything right repaying evil with an even greater evil? It makes sense because that's what the world preaches. That, that's what this world says. That's how our world is discipling us. But we got to remember that the kingdom of God is flipped upside down from the ways of this world. And so it often looks so, so much different. So we've got to ask, where has evil been done to me in my life? Ask that question. And am I seeking to repay that evil with evil? Super practical. If the answer is yes, I'm seeking, I'm thinking about, I'm contemplating evil, uh, some evil response to outdo their evil, it may be time to walk through some forgiveness in your life. As we think about those people who have wronged us, Ask the question, do we wish them well? Luke 6, 28, Jesus instructs us, bless those who curse you. Why is that so hard? Right? I mean, if someone gives you one finger, you want to give them a bigger one. It's like that's, 
it's just the way it clicks in my mind. It's the way that I was brought up. It's, it's just, that's naturally, that's it. It's naturally from this flesh, how we flow. And so there has to be an interruption in the flesh. That ha- there has to be an interruption by the Holy Spirit. And instead of cursing those with an even greater curse, we actually bless them. And this is hard. It, like, just to even to put into, into words, it's, it's hard. Thinking of those who have wronged me. How often do you practice that? What if we made it so that this is actually a trigger? You guys know what triggers are? Like, oh, I've been triggered. Where it's like something takes place and I'm just triggered. I can't control it anymore. This is just my response. This is what's going to happen. I'll apologize for it later. What if we made this as our, our trigger? When someone curses me, automatically, I bless you in the name of Jesus. Lord, bless and prosper this person. Lord, heal this person's heart. Lord, provide for this poor person. Lord, heal the people in their life. What if like that was our automatic response? We would look a little different if we're honest. This, this would radically change society as we know it. I, I honestly, like I can't even imagine what society would actually look like. I mean, we'd probably have to jump towards heaven, right? Bless those who curse you. Grieve at their calamities. It just keeps getting deeper. (laughs) Grieve at their calamities. Proverbs uh, 24.17. Proverbs 24.17 says this. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. And do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. Again, isn't that just so easy and natural? When your enemy, the person who has wronged you, the person who stole from you, when they lose all their money, when the person who cheated you gets cheated, hmm. but we're called not to rejoice when our enemy falls not to let our hearts be glad when he stumbles. Take this into the workplace. When someone wrongs you in the workplace, and then they have, I mean, they get what's coming to them, right? They got what's coming to them, and now you have that in you to rejoice. If you have that in you to rejoice, there's probably some forgiveness that you need to walk through. Next is to pray for them. Matthew 5, 44. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. One of the ways that I learned um, early on in ministry as we were being trained up in prayer ministry to pray for people is you, you wonder like, what am I supposed to pray for people? As people come up and, and sometimes they have prayer requests, sometimes they don't. How do I pray for people? Will you pray over what you would want the Lord to do in your own life? What if we started to pray that over our enemies? Right? Y'all, this is transformative. If we grab a hold of it, we pray for them. Again, what if this is, just becomes one of those triggers? 
Whenever someone wrongs us, we're going to pray for them. And we're not going to pray our vindictive prayers. We see some of those in the scriptures. And so we can be like, see. But this is what God's calling us to. To love, I love how Jesus says that, love your enemies and pray for them. That means you pray for them out of a place of love, not out of a place of vengeance. Seek reconciliation with them. I'm oh so excited about a message next week that um, Eric's going to be given to us about reconciliation. So I won't camp too long on this and steal your whole message. But uh, Romans 12, 18 says... If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. How much does it depend on you? Think about those relationships. Think about anywhere where there's tension. I've been walking this out. I just had an instance, uh, I think last week, where I'm like, I wonder if there's tension because of the way I acted. I wonder if there's any tension there. And so I reached out to this person and I was just like, hey, I don't know if there's any tension or not and this could be completely awkward. And so if it is, I'm sorry. But in case there's anything here, would you just forgive me? Like I didn't didn't intend on making any, any wrongs here within that. So this can be awkward, this process of of walking through forgiveness, of making sure we're we're understanding each other, making sure we're all on the same page. It can be awkward. Why don't we just embrace awkward? I would feel a lot more welcome. (laughs) Was that an awkward laugh? I was hoping that to be like an awkward laugh. You're like, oh, that was so awkward. Come on, just accept me. I think if we can accept like the awkwardness in another person, like more people will feel welcome within the body of Christ because now we're not just feeling like I've I've got to look like everybody else. I've got to act like everybody else. No, 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 no. You got to be who Jesus has made you to be. We can't be the body of Christ if we're all trying to be the finger of Christ. We need to be the rest of the body. We need you to be who God has created you to be. But if we have a space where it only feels okay to be a finger, we're not doing much benefit to the body of Christ. We're just training fingers. I don't know if that's weird or not, but (laughs) made sense when I said it, in my mind at least. Seek reconciliation with them. um, And then be always willing to come to their relief again. This whole progression just keeps upping the ante always willing to come to their relief. And Exodus 23, 4 says, if you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey wandering away, you shall return it to him. So you shouldn't say, look what favor God hath bestoweth on me. Because that's totally what I would do. Like in, in that exact verbiage, I would definitely just spout that out. But if... If your enemy's ox, if something from your enemy, that, this is deep. This takes it so, so deep that if something is being done unjustly and unrighteously to, to your enemy, that you should seek to do it right. You should seek to get it back to them. You should seek to have, have them fulfilled and righteous, righteousness be done on their behalf, even though it wasn't done on your behalf.
wow, kingdom, kingdom thinking is something else. Kingdom thinking really takes love to another level. Just as Pastor Cindy was talking about earlier, she was reading through this whole idea of love and the love that Jesus has shown unto us and therefore the love that we're to show to others. I'm just like breaking. I'm like, wow, the love of God is something deep. It gives you all the feels, right? So here is forgiveness. When you feel that someone is your enemy, when you feel that you or someone you care about have been wronged, forgiveness means resisting revenge, not returning evil for evil, wishing them well, grieving at their calamities, praying for their welfare, seeking reconciliation so far as it depends on you. There are some things that you can't do in that and that depend on the other person. And then coming to their aid in distress. So how do we get there? This is all good. I think this is all helpful. Any of these points where you're like, yeah, I can see that in my own life, that's a great indication. That should be a flag shooting up that the Holy Spirit is just showing you. You might need to walk through some forgiveness in that. Okay, so there's no condemnation being like, oh, I've got so much to forgive. It should be, I've been forgiven of so much, now I get the task of, and the opportunity and the blessing of forgiving other, other people, right? But where do we, where do we start? How do we, how do we do this? I think it all starts from one place. It all starts as a vertical issue. It all starts with me recognizing once again that I've been forgiven by God. I seek to glorify God in every single thing that I, I do. And he's glorified when I submit to his ways. His ways make us look more and more like Jesus. We see this in Romans 8.28. We're being conformed into the image of Jesus. I make it a point to say that every single Sunday, if you haven't noticed. I find it important that we recognize that we're all in process and we're all going towards one place, that we're looking more and more like Jesus. We recognize that Ephesians 1, 7 through 10 says, In him... We have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he has set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him, things in heaven and things on earth. We're all being united towards him. And in order to do this, in order to have true unity, there must be forgiveness. Because once again, we are broken. We do make mistakes. We see in 1 John 1, 9, just this, the truth that if we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we begin to understand this on a personal level, it all, it all comes back to my relationship with Jesus because my relationship with Jesus should then begin to shape the way that I interact with all the people around me. Forgiveness is first a vertical issue. It's between me and Jesus. Am I forgiven? 
Have I been forgiven of my wrongs, of my sins? The answer is yeah. If you've repented, if you've come before him, if you've requested, if you've made it known to the Lord, if you've accepted what he did on the cross, the answer is yes. And so consider these, these phrases. When you choose not to forgive, you choose not to look like Jesus. When you choose not to forgive, you're choosing not to take every thought captive and not to obey Christ. When you choose not to forgive, you choose not to be conformed into Jesus, but to be transformed into this world instead. Forgiveness first and foremost, though it may have been prompted through an interaction with another person, it always needs to go back and it always needs to go back to the starting place of me and Jesus. Yeah. I think this is where we miss it a lot of the times. And I, obviously we see this uh, like going back all the way to the garden, right? As Adam and Eve have sinned and they come out and God's talking to Adam and Eve. What, what did you guys do? And they're both like, <laughs> that, that, it was that one. It, it was that one. It was the chick. It was the lady. It was, it was the snake always pointing fingers at, at, at someone, someone else. And so this, this comes naturally that when we have an interaction with another person that hurts us, we point to the other person. But once again, I'm going to call us to something radical that instead of looking at the other person first and the issue that took place, we're going to look at ourselves and our relationship with Jesus. Again, like I was talking about last week, we had talked about how I had always thought that when I give my life to Jesus, I should completely erase my whole self. And it should be completely, completely new. But God still uses all of my past, and he's used it all for the good of those who are in Christ Jesus. And so he's, he's forming it. He's, he's using all of that. And so it's almost like a redeeming of selfishness. It's I go back to my own self. How is my relationship with Jesus? Okay, so again, this is one of those triggering things. When someone wrongs me, instead of looking at them and looking at the situation and looking at the wrong and looking at the pain that it's caused, I'm gonna point, my, point the finger back at myself and say, how's my relationship with Jesus? How's my relationship? My relationship with Jesus is great. He's forgiven me. Oh. Therefore, I've got to forgive them. It really simplifies it, doesn't it? Because then it, it foregoes all of those other feelings, all of those other, other thoughts, and just goes down to what God is calling me to do, what God is empowering me to do. And I just want to go to the other side of that real quick. The other side of what happens when we don't. What happens when we choose not to forgive because there are consequences for when we choose not to forgive. You guys know this? That this is actually something in our hearts that builds up. It's almost like, I don't know, the, the, I didn't think of this until this moment, but like the picture of like the, uh, the drain in the bathroom, 
right? The one that all the water goes down and then all of like you brush your teeth and all that stuff goes down, right? And then you get all the junk out between your teeth and that goes down there too. And then like all your hair goes down there too and it just builds up more and more and more and more. This is what happens in your heart when you walk in unforgiveness, when you choose not to forgive. It has consequences. Back to our scripture for this whole series, so we're talking about Irene, peace between everyone. In Hebrews 12, 14 and 15, it says, Strive for peace with everyone, for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, me giving them the grace that God has given me, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, it may become defiled. Unforgiveness gives way to bitterness. I've been working on this little shirt graphic that says, get, get better, but it says, get bitter with the I crossed out. And it says, get, right, get unbitter, but getting better. Bitterness becomes like uncontrollable anger and rage that's spewing out hatred all over everywhere you go. So we have a choice to make about the environments that we live in. And the choice is made right here and right now on the OR table. We've got our chest opens before the Lord right here and right now. He's exposing to us some things, some people, some circumstances that we may need to walk through forgiveness in. And our choice right now is, am I going to impact the world around me from a place of bitterness or forgiveness. That's the choice we get to make. Worship team, would you guys make your, your way up? A super practical closing thought. As we look at the people around us, we can ask this question, am I seeing this person the way that the Father would see them through Jesus? A lot of the times, I like to shortcut that, if I'm honest, and I like to say, am I seeing this the way that the Father would see them? And then I think of, that's where I allow like justice to come in, right? That's where I allow of the vengeance to come in. But then you add in that through Jesus, because we don't actually know what's taking place inside their heart. Between the last interaction that we had with them, they could have had an interaction with Jesus where they've given it all to him, where they've been forgiven of everything, they've been wronged and you're holding something against them. You don't know if that's taken place. So what if we just err on the side of seeing people through the lens of the cleansing blood of Jesus? What if we saw them as children of God? It doesn't mean that, you know, some of that justice doesn't get addressed. I think that's, that's another part of it. I think the most important thing that we need to focus on here this morning is that we would address those own areas in, in our own heart. This is only possible when we see what Jesus has done for us and what he's forgiven us from. And so I just want to walk through a prayer with you. Just an evaluating prayer. I'm going to communicate it, but feel free to just 
think through it in your own, in your own mind, in your own heart as we continue just to lay here on, on that OR table. Lord, we thank you for caring for us enough to step into this, this space, to step into the surgical procedure where you would be opening up our hearts. You'd be revealing tumors and things that need to be removed and you're, you're removing them if we would allow you. And so we just ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would expose to us anything that we need to forgive others for. And as you're doing that, Lord, I I just go to this own place of my own relationship with you, seeing those people that I've wronged in my past, seeing the ways that I've turned my back on you, seeing the ways that I've just been rotten to the core. And you've so mercifully forgiven me, so patiently forgiven me, so lovingly forgiven me. I recognize that, God. I do declare myself as forgiven. I I do not hold on to any condemnation for you say that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're free from that. And so we will be free from holding other people's sins against them where people have wronged us. And we just step into this place and say, I forgive them right here and right now, whoever that is in your mind, just imagine, imagine them, forgive them. I forgive you. I forgive you. I'm just picturing their faces. I forgive you. I forgive you. We may be here for a while, but I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. And we recognize, God, that this is a choice that we're, we may have to continue to make. At the very least, we do need to continue to submit it to you for you to show us if this is something that needs further action. So Lord, I, I just pray that even over, over this congregation, God, that I even just see places where the enemy has had a stronghold in people's hearts and he's been rejoicing where we have chosen not to forgive. And he is quaking in his boots now. He's shaking in his boots now because he sees where you are showing us that we need to forgive. He's about to lose some strongholds in people's lives. People are about to see some freedom, not even just in this, but this is going to unleash freedom in some other parts of people's lives in Jesus' name. I believe that with all my heart. And so we step into that place, Lord. We say we will put on an attitude of forgiveness that is not just here this morning, but it is now a lifestyle. We will walk through our days as an open book before you, Holy Spirit. I just ask right now that from here on out, you would be revealing to us, allow our ears to be sensitive to the sound of your voice when you would bring conviction that we need to forgive. 
I just sense right now that you're going back even so many years. You're going back so many different years, Lord. Going back to wounds that have been there for so long. You're healing. You're allowing us to step into forgiveness. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for freedom that you're bringing in that right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hey, thanks again for joining us on this Rise Church podcast. If this was a blessing to you, there's a number of things that could do to help us continuing to minister to the world around us and getting that good news about Jesus Christ out. Could you like this podcast? Could you share this podcast? Could you quote this podcast? All of those would be a great blessing. If you would like to give financially to Rise Church to help us continue on this mission, please go to risechurchid.org. Be blessed, my friend.